Hello and welcome to another episode of the Scouting Report Podcast. My name is Brandon Ramsey and I'm here to break down everything that you need to know about the Mississippi State Bulldogs ahead of Kentucky's first round matchup in the SEC tournament against Mississippi State, which will take place Thursday at noon Eastern time. It'll be 11 o'clock a.m. local time in Nashville. I will be down there for the game. I'm recording this on Wednesday. I will be down there tomorrow uh, for the game and spending the weekend in Nashville to cheer on the Cats as they try to make a run in the SEC tournament and salvage what has been, just without a doubt, a dreadful, historically bad season. However, this could be a really special run down here in Nashville. Um, There's no reason to necessarily be overly confident that that it can happen. Kentucky's going to have to win four straight games as the number eight seed, um, beginning with number nine seed Mississippi State. Uh, Kentucky has not won more than three games in a row all season. However, they have played competitive, close games with every single team in the league. I, I went through and, and looked at the schedule a couple of days ago as I was working on some prep for the game tomorrow, and Kentucky's held a second-half lead against every single team they played this year, or every single SEC opponent they played this year, with the exception of Missouri, and Kentucky trailed by one point at one point in the second half there. Um, so, it, and a lot, and I, I didn't break it down this far, but a lot of those leads have been really late in the game, too. You know, final four minutes the, after the last media timeout, Kentucky has had leads against just about everybody, and they have led against everybody in the second half, with the exception of a one-point deficit against Missouri said there's there's no reason to think that they can necessarily win four games in a row, but there's no reason necessarily to think that they can't make a lot of noise because they have been so competitive and so close to winning some of these games that just haven't closed them out at the rate at which they need to. However, as I've already written about some via Twitter on KSR, come come March, come March Madness, Playing close, moral victories, all that stuff is out the window. You know, it doesn't matter if you're winning with four minutes to go on the clock. The only thing that matters is the final score, and you just got to win by one point and keep advancing. I think that Kentucky needs to really try to break it down. I know this is cliche, but they need to try to win one game four times as opposed to trying to win four games. We can't beat Alabama until we beat Mississippi State tomorrow. So we need to try to really break things down one game at a time, one possession at a time. And I, I know all that is coach speak and cliche, but it really becomes true in March, especially. And when your backs are against the wall, like they are for Kentucky now, they really just have to find a way to raise their level just ever so slightly so that they can close out some of these games, especially against teams that they're going to have to play. If the seeds were to hold, they're going to have to beat Alabama, Tennessee, and Arkansas in a three-day span. And obviously Mississippi State, is no slouch either. It took a amazing performance from Dante Allen. If you're if you'll re- remember, this was our very first SEC game of the season. Kentucky was one and six at the time. Dante Allen finally got a um, an extended opportunity in the game, and over the course of a two overtime game, he scored 23 points, hit seven threes, and and was absolutely the reason that the Cats were able to beat the Bulldogs down there in Starkville to begin SEC play and kick off that first of two three-game winning streaks that we did get to experience this season. However, it's going to take a four-game four winning streak now, 
and this is going to be the most important one, obviously, of the season. So it'll be really interesting to see how things go down here in Nashville over the next few days and how many games Kentucky's able to play. Uh, obviously, it could be up to four if we can make it to Sunday. Uh, but I, I know that, obviously, first and foremost, there's still a lot of coronavirus concerns going around. There's going to be a limited capacity at Bridgestone Arena. They're going to do about 20% or so capacity. Tickets are going to be hard to come by. Um, I, I know that at large restaurants around Louisville, or around Nashville, excuse me, down there on Broadway, there's still limited capacity and all of that good stuff. So it certainly won't be the same atmosphere as normal. However, I do hope that Big Blue Nation will still turn out and, and, and cheer on the Cats one final time. Just to try to have some fun and show these guys that we still support them, even with what has been a historically bad season in terms of the record that we do have. But that's enough about all of that. We'll have plenty of time over the next few days to continue breaking down the SEC tournament. I just had a, um, or later today, I will have a SEC tournament preview going up on KentuckySportsRadio.com, um, where I, I've been doing this with all the Power Five plus the Big East conference tournaments. But I just do quick little little Twitter links. So I watch like 280 characters or whatever it is now. Just quick little Twitter length um, previews of each team. Just it's easy to digest. Gives you a little quick hitter. That's something you can watch for with each team. Um, and then some overall thoughts on the tournament, a couple gambling picks as well. Um, you can check that out on KentuckySportsRadio.com. I'll be, like I said, I'll be down in Nashville, so I'll be breaking down pretty much each game on Twitter as well. I, I will even be at some of the games also, so I'll have some boots on the ground coverage coming from Nashville this weekend. So hopefully everybody will tune in to some of that. I know I am looking forward to it. But let's go ahead and dive into breaking down the Mississippi State Bulldogs. We have already played them once, and as I touched on, that was the memorable Dante Allen game. Kentucky won 78-73 in double overtime down in Starkville to kick off SEC play. Um, Mississippi State finished the regular season 14-13. and They were 8-10 and in the conference, which earned them the number nine seed in the conference tournament. Uh, like I said, Kentucky is the eighth seed, um, and... One of the things that, or one of the things that I want to touch on first with Mississippi State is what they do well, and what the two two of the things they do well, they guard they guard the basketball well. They're a really good defensive team, and they rebound the basketball well as one of the best rebounding teams in the country. So first and foremost, that's what you need to know about them. They aren't nearly as strong on the offensive end of the floor, but defensively they are very very good. They're among the nation's leaders. An opponent field goal percentage. They hold opponents to just 39.9% shooting. Um, they're one of the best teams in terms of rim protection. Uh, they're blocking nearly five shots per game. I think they rank like 18th in the country in that category. They're like 26th in the country in uh, block percentage. So that's just the number of blocks or the um, number percentage of possessions that end in a block. Um, and the, 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 they rank really highly in that as well. Um, it, and then one of the most impressive things, and I've written about this on KSR already as well, and on my Twitter account, at BRamesyKSR, uh, they're able to force a lot of jump shots, protect the rim, they're able to keep people off of the glass, they're in really good position to rebound, um, and they're able to do all of this without fouling. Um, their, their opponents shoot just 14.4 free throws per game, which is one of the lowest marks in the country. Um, so... Mississippi State is excellent defensively, 
without fouling, which is really impressive. But what that means is they don't foul at the detriment of creating turnovers. They're towards the bottom of the list in terms of turnover creation, in terms of steals, different things like that, because they do really pack in their defense and try to make you shoot jump shots. They focus more on just staying in front of you, um, staying, staying in front of the ball, staying between you and the basket, putting themselves in a good position to be around the hoop, to rebound it, so they're not getting down to the passing lanes. They're not looking to steal the ball from you. They're not applying a ton of ball pressure, and that allows them to not foul, but like I said, also keeps them from creating a lot of turnovers. And in terms of rebounding, they're especially good on the offensive glass. They're among the nation's leaders in offensive rebounding percentage. It's 34.4% um, of their misses they collect. So that that's over one-third of the time when Bulldogs miss a shot, they're going to get it back and get another opportunity. This is also an area where Kentucky has struggled. Kentucky's defensive rebounding percentage isn't very good. It's 71.9% per, on the season. And that's just not going to be good enough um, down the stretch here of, of the season to continue to advance. So something's going to have to give here. Mississippi State, one of the best offensive re- rebounding teams in the conference and in the country. Kentucky, very average in, in terms of defensive rebounding. So we will have to turn a weakness into a strength or, or at least kind of play it, play it even in terms of pounding the glass and, and, and keeping Mississippi State from, from being able to get a ton of second chances because it is a big part of what they do offensively because they aren't very efficient from the field. Um, they don't even really shoot or take look to shoot very many threes. They're not necessarily a big three-point shooting threat, though their two best players, Iverson Molinar and DJ Stewart Jr., both of those guys are good shooters, but they're still not overly aggressive. They're both still trying to drive it more than they are really hunting threes the way that some – some other teams' best players um, certainly do. And, um, so it, just something to be aware of with them offensively. They are very deliberate. They, they set some early ball screens and try to penetrate in there, especially with Stewart Jr. and Molinar. However, they aren't still very aggressive in terms of trying to score it right away. They just try to get the ball moving, and they obviously will look um, to, to score early if you give it to them, if they can get a layup, or with Tolu Smith ducking in as they set an early ball screen at the top of the key. That's something that they will do early in the possessions as well. Uh, but for the most part, they're trying to run some offense. They run a Virginia motion style of offense, which is very slow and de- deliberate. That's why, Vir- that, that's why Virginia made it famous. Um, so that what, what they're going to do there is that at all times, there's going to be two screening actions going on. A lot of times the ball is towards the, mid- towards the top of the key in the middle of the floor. There's going to be a flare screen being set on one side uh, of the floor while a baseline pin down is being set on the other side. So you're going to have one guy coming off a pin down to say the left wing, and you're going to have a, a flare on the right wing going on. And, and it's also called like a wheel motion because it, if you watch it on film, which obviously as always, I'll have all this stuff going up on Twitter throughout the day today and then tomorrow morning. Um, and also the scouting report videos and all of that breakdown will be on Kentucky sports radio later tonight. So you can see some of this stuff visually, but it, it, it looks like a wheel. It's a, it's a, ever-turning wheel with a flare screen. If they don't get it off of the flare, they're going to turn up towards the basket, look for it there, and then they're going to come out the other side off of a pin-down screen. You're going to move the ball ahead, come off the flare, and it keeps going around that way. So there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of screening action within their motion. Um, It's not as much pass and cut as a lot of motion offenses are now. This is very much an off-ball screen-heavy motion offense, Um, and and that's what we're going to see a lot of 
in the half court. They will just go to some four around one motion sometimes as well, looking to get the ball inside of Tolu Smith. Um, but but their base offense is definitely that Virginia wheel motion that we'll see a lot of. Also, they're going to run a lot of set plays in the half court. They like to get both Molinar and or Stewart Jackson coming off of a lot of screens from a 1-4 high set or from a horns alignment. They'll, they'll do a lot of down screening into a handoff. So they'll go down screen, say, for DJ Stewart Jr. In the corner, he'll come off, get a handoff, try to drive it left. Um, and they'll do the same thing to the opposite corner to get Iverson Molinar coming off to drive it right. Uh, so the, the, they're going to do a lot of down screening into a handoff for those two guys. It's generally going to be for them. So we, we need to chase them off of those down screens um, and then be ready to, to, to go over the handoffs as well, or a lot of times because of that initial down screen, you might end up having to switch at the point of the handoff, but that's okay. We would rather just stay in between them and the basket, take away their ability to shoot a three behind that handoff. Um, and, and they have a few other screening actions as well. As well. They'll, they'll run a lot of staggered double um, stuff for Molinar and Stewart to come off, get some jump shots. There's a few clips of them doing that against us uh, from back in early January. So you just have to be ready to chase those guys off of all screens. Within their Virginia motion, you have to get over the flare screens when they're set for number one Molinar or number three Stewart Jr. You can hop under all of the other ones by going under those flare screens. You'll keep them from being able to curl them and get to the rim for a layup. Um, there, there's no reason to chase a non-shooter off of a flare screen. That, that's what they want you to do. They want to be able to open up um, that pass as they turn up that flare for a layup at the rim. Um, and we can go up through the down screens on everybody besides number one, Molinar, and number three, Stewart Jr. Um, so it, it's be very important that we're disciplined in terms of our personnel scouting report. We're going to know who you're guarding, know how to guard the screens based on who you're guarding, and, and to be really disciplined, have good closeouts against these guys. We should be able to really pack it in. You have to get out there and break the rhythm of Molinar and Stewart. Those guys can shoot it up, definitely. Excuse me, um, but they're, they're still not hunting threes. You can bounce back and guard against the drive once you take them away initially. Just keep your hands up and stun at them a little bit in order to break their rhythm. Um, but to touch on the personnel a little bit more here, uh, starting at point guard now is number five, Davion Smith. Um, he is a 6'1", 165-pound freshman. He's a, he's a right-hand driver, first and foremost. He's a He's a somewhat willing shooter. I think he's taking about 52-3, so about two a game. But shooting a pretty low percentage, I know he's under 30% on the year, averaging just about five points per game. Um, but he's going to handle the ball a lot when he's in there. He's really quick and aggressive with the ball. Um, coming down in transition, he will push it hard. So we need to make, make sure we get the ball stopped. You can go under all the ball screens and handoffs when they're set for him. You can hop under the flare screens when they're in their motion. You can go up through the down screens on him. We're really just wanting to stay between him and the basket, close out short, and really take away the right-hand drives. we got to make sure this guy doesn't get any layups against us. And you got number one, Iverson Molinar, 6'3", 190-pound sophomore. This guy's one of the leading scorers in the SEC, averaging over 16 points per game. He's a very good shooter, shooting about 44% from three. doesn't necessarily hunt threes, but he'll make about one and a half, two threes per game. So we got to get out there, take away the threes. We want to really limit his attempts. you got to break his rhythm when he's bouncing it because he will shoot some off the dribble. Uh, you got to chase him off of down screens. 
get over the flare screens to take it away, and him shooting it behind those screening actions. You got to be tight to him at all times, close out to him and take away the threes, and then bounce back and be ready to guard that right hand drive. All right, so the main thing is against him. You got to keep thinking about chasing them off the screens, getting over the flares, getting getting over the ball screens and handoffs. Be willing to switch if there's any space, taking away the right hand drives, taking away the threes. Number three, DJ Stewart Jr., the 6'6", 205-pound redshirt sophomore, another one of the leading scorers in the conference, averaging over 16 a game. Him and Molinar averaged 16.4 and 16.3 points per game, respectively. I think they finished sixth and seventh, respectively, in scoring in the conference. So these two guys provide some power power. There's just not a whole lot else there for the Bulldogs. But DJ Stewart's a lefty. He's a, he's a great shooter, much higher volume shooter than Molinar is. Uh, so we got to really get out, take away the threes from DJ Stewart Jr. Once again, we're chasing him off all down screens. We're getting over all of the flare screens. We're getting over the ball screens and handoffs, and we're being willing to switch anytime there's space, take away the threes behind any of the screening action, and to try to stay between him and the basket and cut down on those left-hand drives. So we're not helping off a of number, number one Molinar or number three Stewart Jr., but we can really pack it in of everybody else and cut down their driving lanes. And that should also, much like what Mississippi State does so well, by packing in the defense a little bit more and not getting so extended, we should be able to be in better position to be between them in the basket, box out, be physical when the shot goes up, and keep these guys off of the offensive glass. At one of their forward positions is number 35. Number 35, Tolu Smith. He's a 6'10", 245-pound redshirt sophomore. Averages over 12 points and about 8.5 rebounds per game. He's really, really strong, and he's a good athlete for as big as he is, but he's really strong around the hoop, wants to play super physical. Uh, when they're bringing the ball down the court and they set some of that early ball screen, like a high, an early high ball screen, like I talked about, that they will do some, even though they are pretty slow and deliberate in the half court. But when they set that high ball screen, it's not even so much to create something early for their guards is to get Tolu Smith an opportunity to duck in his defender right at the front of the rim, try to get a deep catch on the block with two feet in the paint and score it. Uh, he, he's actually pretty good with both hands. He's finished quite a bit this season. As I went back and watched the film over the last couple of days, he's been finishing some with his left hand, mostly just because he's so physical and he can bury guys underneath the rim. And he's just, he, he's taking so many of his shots with two feet inside the paint with, you know, his shoulders square to the, to the backboard or he's right at the rim, so he's able to finish some of those left-handed shots. But he still prefers to make his post moves to his right hand over his left shoulder. So we got to be really physical on that on that left shoulder. we got to do our work early. We need to be kind of three-quarters of the way around in front to try to make it really hard for him to get a catch. We need to make him come off, come off of the block, catch the ball outside of the paint because his percentages will go down the further you are or the further he is away from the basket. Be physical on that left shoulder, like I said, Try to take away that right hand. No deep post catches. Don't get ducked in early in possessions or at any point in the possession. If the ball's away from you, he's always thinking about ducking you in at the front of the rim. He's going to throw his butt into you hard, try to create space and get a deep catch. We need to be in an athletic stance at all times. Be three-quarters of the way around in front. Make it really hard for him to get those deep catches. He's just an excellent next-level offensive rebounder. Averaging over three, almost three-and-a-half offensive rebounds per game one of the leaders in the country in that category. So we've got to keep him off of the offensive glass. We've got to really attack, go find him, attack his body, be physical with him, try to take out his legs, and then go get the ball once it comes off the rim. 
Rounding out their starting five is number 24, Abdul Adu. He is 6'11", 255 pounds. He's also a redshirt sophomore. This guy's super big, tall, and long. Uh, he's, he's not very aggressive offensively. He's going to score pretty much everything just off of dump-off passes or offensive rebounds. He just wants to dunk the ball, essentially. He will score his right hand over his left shoulder some because he is so tall. So we got to, once again, do our work early. Don't let him get super deep post catches. His percentages are definitely going to go down the further he is away from the basket. And honestly, he won't even really look to score if he's outside of the paint because he's not nearly as skilled as Tolu Smith. Um, but keep him out of the paint. Be physical on that left shoulder. I mean, he's an excellent shot blocker. Um, one of the leaders in the conference in that category. I think I saw on a telecast the other day, <coughs> excuse me, or it's actually when I was back watching film, they had it on one of the SEC Network games. But um, he's, I believe he's third third in the conference in terms of active players in, in, in block shots for his career. Uh, so he, he's a really good rim protector, something to be aware of as you're driving the ball towards him when he's at the rim. But another excellent offensive rebounder, averaging over two per game. So when the shot goes up, you got to box him out. For n- number 35, Tolu Smith, number 24, 24 Abdul Adu, especially with Adu, who's not very skilled offensively. Those guys are in there trying to offensive rebound it, and that's where a lot of their offense comes from. It's from second chance points on putbacks. So we got to try to do a good job of limiting their second chances, take out their legs, be physical, and go rebound the ball. That's really all we have to cover in terms of their personnel. They don't go super deep and outside of their three leading scores, and really outside of primarily DJ Stewart Jr. and Iverson Molinar. It's just not a super aggressive offensive team. You just have to know the scouting report, know who we're chasing off of screens, which is just number one Molinar and number three Stewart Jr., Anybody else can go under pretty much all the actions, stay between them and the basket, then be ready to rebound the heck out of the ball. This needs to be our most competitive game of the season. We have to come out with a little bit of a fire under us. we got to be ready to be physical because that's what Coach Ben Hallen's team is this year. They try to out-physical you. They try to out-tough you. And if if they're able to do that, they're going to beat us tomorrow. And that's going to be a really disappointing way to finish the season. But if we can come out, match that intensity, be even tougher than they are, and show that, hey, we're down here in Nashville to win this stinking SEC tournament, then I think that we're going to have a really good chance of, uh, of having our way with the Bulldogs tomorrow when this game tips off at noon Eastern time, 11 Central. And I think that we're going to be able to score enough to win if we can get to about 70 points. And if we can execute our personnel scouting report, have good closeouts, and then defensive rebound, I don't think the Mississippi State's going to be able to score enough to keep up with us. One thing that I have talked about on Twitter, I want to wrap up with this. I've talked a lot about three key statistics that are going to make or break the rest of this season for Kentucky. I think that they're going to continue to win games as long as they do these three things. And probably the first game where they don't do at least two out of these three, they're going to lose. So whether that's one game or six or seven games, God willing, with some, with, with some noise here in March, but um, these three stats that we need to watch. First of all, and I'm going to mention this one first because we're playing Mississippi State, who's going to be really tough to do this against. Defensive rebounding percentage. Right now on the season, I believe, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but they are average, or Kentucky defensive rebounds about 71.9% of their opponent's misses. That's really not very good. Um, my goal for Kentucky and the SEC tournament and hopefully beyond is to defensive rebound 76% of 
of their opponent's misses from here on out. If they can do that, I think they're going to put themselves in a really good position to win. 77 would be, would be great, but I'll, I'll settle with 76% from here on out. It needs to be the defensive rebounding percentage. And just to give you some context, I know I mentioned this earlier, Mississippi State, they rebound 34.4% of their misses. And I'm saying that I want them to only rebound 24% of their misses by Kentucky rebounding 76% of them. Um, so we're going to need to hold Mississippi State well under their typical offensive rebounding output um, to, to, to hit that number. But 76% or better defensive rebounding percentage from here on out is one of the three keys for Kentucky. The second key is turnover percentage. Kentucky turns the ball over, I believe it's 19.7% of the time. Um, so about you know, nearly one-fifth of the possessions, they're turning the ball over. Um, and for the rest of the for the rest of this season, that number needs to be at 17% or below. Uh, so if we can do that, then again, that, that means that we're valuing the basketball, we're limiting our turnovers, we're not giving teams easy buckets on fast-break opportunities for steals and live ball turnovers. Uh, 17% or less will put us in a position to, to win a lot of games down, down here in Nashville. And then last but not least, and this one's a lot easier, is, or at least easier to, for fans to follow, it's free throw percentage. Team shoots about 73.4% from the foul line right now. Uh, that's vastly improved over the last four or five weeks of the season. That came up from under 70% all the way to 73.4%. So that's a very good sign. But we need to be at 75% or above, game in and game out, to continue winning here in March. Um, so I, I think that any game that we win, or the, any game that we do all three of those things, I think that we're going to win. If we do two out of the three, I think we're going to have a good chance to win. If you do one out of the three, that's probably going to be the last game of our season. Um, so, again, just to run down through them real, real quick, we're looking for a 76% or better defensive rebounding percentage. We're looking for a 17% or less turnover percentage. And then we're looking to be 75% or better from the free throw line. We can do those things. I think it's going to be really fun next couple of weeks, and I think we're going to get to experience some success um, here as we close out this season for the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, but there you have it, breaking down Mississippi State and talk a little, a little bit about what we need to see from the Cats down in Nashville to hopefully win a few games, string, a, string together one more winning streak this season. Um, but as always, please check out KentuckySportsRadio.com. Like I said, I have an SEC preview going up there where I give a short outline on every team. I'll have a scattering report on Mississippi State going up, the full film breakdown and all that good stuff that will be on KSR tonight. Um, that I'm sure it'll be reposted in the morning as well, so we'll get you ready bright and early tomorrow for the game. You can follow me on Twitter, at BRamseyKSR, uh, and I'll be breaking everything down there as well while I'm in Nashville uh, for as long as K- Kentucky wins, so or as, as long as Kentucky plays. So at least on Thursday, I will be jumping on the locker room app after the game to, t- to do a little post-game show, so you can follow me on the locker room app at bramsey underscore ksr and i'll be doing some live reactions um as soon as possible after the game so hopefully we'll be able to do that a few times this week and i might even just have some extra content just as i'll be down there in nashville for the sec sec tournament um, but tomorrow it'll be 11 a.m local time in nashville 12 a.m or 12 noon eastern time um it's like be tipping off on the sec network that's number eight seed kentucky against number nine seed mississippi state so please subscribe to the podcast if you have not already. These will be coming quickly over the next few days, hopefully, 
um, as, as we all scramble to prepare for each opponent uh, with just about 24 hours in between games. Um, but please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Uh, please share it with, with some of your friends. Download each episode and then leave a review if you do feel so inclined. Those five-star reviews are great to see and really help us out. Um, so do all of that. And until next time, which hopefully we will have a next time, um, go Cats and hope you all enjoy watching the SEC tournament tomorrow.